what deters people from the space is coming in with the wrong intention from the jump, which is actually not knowing what they want. If they're coming in to make money, you have to really question that if that's going to be sustainable. Because when the market's down like it is now, you're going to leave. You're going to leave. Hello, I'm Jordana Borenstein and welcome to That's So Meta, a podcast where we will explore all things related to Web3, NFTs, cryptocurrency and the metaverse. Well, metaverses, actually. The goal is to be a bridge between the world we currently live in and this dynamic, fast-paced and fabulous world that's emerging and being created every single day. Through fun interviews with awesome guests and experts, we'll take complex ideas and simplify them in a super light-hearted way. We'll learn together, laugh together, and get far more savvy about everything related to Web3 so that we all feel confident taking a giant step into this wild new world as one. Please note, the discussion and information in this podcast is not financial advice. I repeat, it is not financial advice. It is for entertainment and education purposes only. Joining me today is Daniel Monge, the founder of NFT Melb. He is a super early adopter of all things NFT related, a Web3 pioneer, an incredible connector in the space, and he's also the chief experience officer at Pixel Boss. Hello, Daniel, and welcome. Hello, Jordana. That's so meta. I'm very excited. Me too. Now, I did just ask you before we started what you prefer out of Indiana Jones, Spider-Man and Back to the Future, and you said Spider-Man. So we're going to kick off with a super fun but basic question, which is how would you explain an NFT to a five-year-old and can you use Spider-Man as an analogy? Let's talk on (laughs) NFTs. The idea of Spider-Man 1 versus Spider-Man with Tom Holland, we all know that Tom Holland is better. However, (laughs) we don't really understand why. But the idea is Tom Holland is much cooler, he's more fun, he has more technology available, therefore he's cooler. Now, the idea that this Spider-Man will end up changing the future of the world is true, and that's what NFT technology will do. Oh, <laughs> there was no prep there, and that was impromptu in the moment. Brilliant. I kind of wish I would have asked about Superman and Lois Lane too. I have to say that to have you on again. Most definitely. <laughs> so you've been in the world of NFTs since day dot. How did you fall in? Did you jump in? Did you gracefully leap in? What was your entry point? My journey was through Gary Vee. So after a few years of following Gary Vee's story and his value online, he mentioned the word NFT, non-fungible token. All right, what's this? And the idea of digital assets and then ownership for artists. I was like, it makes sense. It's verifiable on this thing called the blockchain. And I didn't have blockchain knowledge. I didn't have any crypto knowledge. I bought a few coins here and there, but no technical knowledge. So I explored, did 50 hours of homework and said, this makes complete sense. This is going to revolutionize the way artists are able to interact with their community and then businesses. I saw the scope widen even more. I was very much in tune with the music industry and wanting to build something within that forum and produce my impact within music. So then I took a step back and had a revelation that, oh, my impact can be far greater than just a small segment of music and niche of music, that being hip hop. What if I can do it for every single artist? And then that turned into businesses in general and then everyday people. I was like, wow, my impact can be far greater utilizing this technology and showcasing it to people that will be able to benefit far greater did my research bought my first ever nft and that was i'm happy to share that story at the time i was doing probably two or three jobs 
I'd had a sales job where I would drive to country Victoria. I would be driving 110 on the clubhouse calls. Now, before Twitter yeah. Spaces, LinkedIn, and many more podcasts that exist today, there was Clubhouse. And Clubhouse, early days, you had a lot of big whales and everyone was pretty much just trying to learn what the word NFT is and what's this Solana thing and Ethereum thing. And it was still quite early. So you got a lot of influencers on board. Ended up getting connected to a whale that owned a few mansions, owned this, owned that. And I was like, wow. Just this- to stop you there, for anyone listening that doesn't know what a whale is, Somebody that has a large quantity of crypto, essentially, available at any disbursement, thus being the biggest animal in the world, whale. So I pulled over and was on this call and he's like, you should buy this. It's from the IP, the intellectual property of the biggest anime in the world called One Piece. I was like, ah, all right, sure. Ended up pressing buy. It was worth nothing. Nonetheless, from that jump, I ended up buying a V-Friend Series 1 which at the time was a very big investment for me and a lot of risk and no one really knew what direction the world of NFTs were. But like buying into any project, I looked into the founder, I looked into the team, their intention and thought, all right, sure, let's do it. And that led me into the world of NFTs. And there's been no looking back. I want to ask you two questions about what you mentioned. Number one, you said 50 hours of learning. How do you quantify that? And is that what level of learning you think is required to go from zero to a hundred percent of knowledge? No, definitely not. It's a loose lumber, right? It could be 50 hours yeah. of auditory learning and through podcasts. Everyone learns different. It could be 50 hours of reading. For me, it was a big download of just YouTube and looking at traders and this and that. And you don't get to zero and a hundred. You don't need to at, yeah. at, at the same time. It's really about identifying what you actually like. If it's NFTs and it's NFTs. And then within that, it's asking, do I want to be an artist? Do I like fashion? And then literally looking up hashtag NFT fashion. And it's about having fun. For me, that's the massive part of it. If I'm going to learn something, I might as well have fun with what I'm learning. And you don't get to zero to 100 overnight. And I'm still very far off. How many years ago was this? And if you could go back to that Daniel that was driving in the car, what is the greatest piece of advice you would give to him? If I could go back to that Daniel in the car, I would say slow down. ask other people that are in the space the questions that you don't know and consult with them around projects because at the time i didn't have any friends in the space that's why i started nft mel because i wanted to go and look for people within the space i didn't have people i can call now where it's like oh what are your thoughts on this project jump on discord real quick look on twitter tell me what your thoughts are it was people online that i was interacting with that were far out of my reach they were you know three five years ahead of me They didn't have time to go back to DMs with me every single day. So that was the inspiration for NFT Mel. I mean, I know your pillars are community, collaboration, creation, connection, all the Cs. (laughs) Yeah, all the Cs. So the vision came from you just going, well, I want to connect with people who can talk about this freely. What did that look like for you? That story came from the idea of me attending this. It was a cold water therapy on every Sunday at like 7.30, 8 a.m., where a lot of people from Melbourne go to the cold dips called Feel Good Dips in Elwood. And from those conversations I was having there, a lot of people were getting uncomfortable in different areas of life. And I'm a big believer that if you were in crypto two years ago or more so in NFTs, it was a very new space. There's a lot of risk involved, meaning you have to get uncomfortable in learning new concepts and think outside of the box. So I was having conversations around NFTs and people were asking me a lot more questions. I was like, oh, man, I know a little bit, but nowhere near as much as other people know. And that sparked the idea of, hey, maybe I should attend an event 
around NFTs. Uh, looked online, couldn't find absolutely anything. So I thought, I've seen this story play out, the idea of something new needing to happen, um, like a new platform. So I thought, all right, let me start NFT Mulb, not with the idea of engaging a few hundred people online, nothing like that. It was just, I want to go to an event, let's see who else is interested. NFT Mulb, Eventbrite, Facebook, that's it. No pages, just that. Eight people showed up and that led into the start of NFT Mulb and realizing, oh, this validates the idea that there's people out there that want to know more and connect with people that are in the NFT and Web3 space. That's so cool. So the eight people that attended, are you all the founders? No, nah, they're different. Eight people that showed up, half of them being my friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ended up actually now turning into eight people that are part of the team from different areas that yeah. have come along on the journey, that being Rowdy, Dylan, Phoebe, many more. It's a beautiful, awesome. beautiful conglomerate of a collective of individuals. So now that there's NFT Melbourne, NFT Sydney, NFT Gold Coast, NFT New Zealand, NFT APAC, how do you feel looking back on that journey? It always goes back to the Mandela effect, strangely enough. Anytime I ask people to look back on where they're at and truly, truly zoom out, go like zoom out, zoom out, then zoom out even more and ask, how did you come to the decision of starting NFT Melbourne? Why did I go to Feel Good Dips that day? How did I end up at Feel Good? Zoom out. And it always comes back to an intuitive decision to either go left or go right. And for some reason that day, I decided to go right. And that was feel good dips and that led me into that journey. It always comes back to realizing my intention has always remained the same, which is to provide a platform for people to share their story. And that story happens to be NFTs at this current time. Yeah, I love that. So I love that you mentioned your intuition because you've had to go against the grain a lot in terms of being a pioneer or feeling at times that you are in this space and no one else was there. So what role has intuition played from the very beginning to the investments you make, I guess, in every aspect of NFTs? Intuition is a big one for investments because we know luck plays a, a big role and luck is its planned preparation. However, there is a level of intuitiveness realizing that truly what's this going to come out? And if you go against your intuition, you know what's going to happen. However, if you stay tuned to it, at the end of the day, you could say, I was just wrong. I guess the market played out how the market played out. Having intuition when investing is a balance of not being delusional, having positive optimism at the same time, but ensuring you're looking at the risk and not just saying, oh, my intuition's high. I like the name of the coin Doge compared to Shiba. That's not intuition. That's just going off bias. <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> I feel like you've just categorized me in one sentence, although... Flip it around because I prefer Shiba than Doge, but that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you've obviously seen a lot of people go from what on earth are you doing, Daniel, to oh, my God, I wish I was in this space earlier. Mm, Big time, big time. Is there like a common characteristic when that flip happens? Of people that like want advice? Yeah. Is there the same light bulb moment or is it different for everyone based on what their passions and interests are? Yeah, I always go to that point exactly. That's key. And I always say, Yeah, you want to get into the NFT space, but what do you mean by that? Do you mean investing? Do you mean making NFTs? What does that actually mean for you and what are you trying to achieve? Because if I know your goal, then I'll be able to plug you into the people that can support that goal. And maybe it's not us. And majority of the time, it's not us. We're purely moderators in the conversation that allow us to point them to the person that has the strengths. In that role of being sort of the middleman as such and guiding people, what are some of the stories that you look at and you're like, oh my God, that makes me so happy. What makes you feel fulfilled in terms of either people you've onboarded or journeys that you've seen that you've helped guide? What brings you the most joy? 
I'll tell you one of my favorite events that we've done, and it took me by a massive surprise. The event was called Alpha Minds, and that sparked from a friend in the team called Justin, who started a brand called StressFit. It was essentially going to corporate Pepsi's large companies like that and saying, hey, we want to help you and your team de-stress them. Essentially, he was helping them do meditation, but he wasn't going to market it as that because corporations like, ah, meditation, no thank you. But you call it stress fit or de-stressing yourself in the workplace, in life. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, get on board. Let us know what you can do. Now I say that to say this, we ended up hosting an event around mental health because the market just crashed. It was absolutely down bad. Everyone's bags were down. People were going through a rut. They're like, what do I do? Thousands and millions of dollars down. So we thought, let's run an event around mental health. Justin, you'd be perfect for this. Now, within the events that Justin conducts, it's everyone to put on these big headphones and they're noise cancelling. And the event venue was big plans in Melbourne. So usually you project housing and architectural structure, though we decided to map that all out to make it very futuristic. And that with the experience of the headphones and Justin guiding everybody, we decided to make it a Web3 focused panel that was interactive and walking, but at the same time, mental health focus, where we talked about different areas of the market, the red quadrant that we projected on the ground being really down bad and ugly and stressed out. The green side being like, oh, getting ready to go. How do you prepare yourself moving forward? And how do you hit that green light and go when the market's up or when you see an opportunity? There was a meditative aspect as well and a connective aspect to that. The reason why that was so impactful for me was after that session where people went through like a meditation, people ended up opening their eyes and crying. I saw a lot of people break down and they had never given themselves the space of an hour to shut off the mind, to shut off the tweets and the Discord notifications and everything going on in their life and just sit and be still. And that's very far outside of the spectrum of NFTs and DGENs and trades and looking at Vivo and Vivi and so forth. It's very different. And for me, it, was, it took me by surprise. And I had people come up to me on events and saying, wow, I feel like I've found my family. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's different. I was not expecting that. And that's been the biggest part was people said they finally found some friends and family. Yeah. I love that. And it's so aligned with the vibe at CryptoCon. As someone who is new in the industry, it feels like the Web3 world is inclusive and inviting and warm and friendly. Is that always your experience or is that something that you are trying to bring in? That's what I want to move with at the forefront, which is one, how do we change culture within the world? How do we make sure we lead with that? The only way you're going to change culture in the world is by one, doing it yourself within you and making sure that you're expressing those values and then doing it through your community and your team, and that will expand out. And the reason why I think it exists within Web3 right now is because it's very early and there's not a whole lot of people within the space. So when you have a small group of people that only really understand each other, they bind together. And I don't think it will always be like this. I think it will expand out where it will get fizzled out, but we'll try to remain and hold that culture as best we can. So you've worked with and had exposure to a lot of different Web3 and NFT projects, what qualities and characteristics do leaders and brands have who have taken the leap and are innovating in this space? The leaders and the ones that have broken through, the ones that are different, the ones that go against the grand, the ones that we want to always be day one in, there's very common characteristics. One being they've got a kick-ass team, an absolute kick-ass team that 
has a background in something or has the willingness to pull something off. Two, their story is immaculate. They've adapted that story knowing the community first and leading through that. I think having those two things imperative. And then three, from a business standpoint, actually having revenue structures around it. Because if you don't have other cash flows outside of selling out your project, it's going to go to Mm. zero. It's not a business. And very much like a music artist, if a music artist doesn't see themselves as a business, an NFT project doesn't see themselves as a business and being able to operate like that, they're going to fall to zero because they're not able to develop income streams to support their journey. And those are the biggest opportunity losses. We know many people that say to their friends, they could have done so much. They're extremely talented. They could have gone so far. However, they didn't have simple business principles to take them onto that next journey. What is the biggest mistake you see NFT projects and founders make? Not being able to develop an engaged community. Oh, okay. Community first. And I say engaged community, ongoingly engaged community, adding on to that, providing incentives for community to engage with you and talk to you. When you do that, you're able to help them build out their own story. Take this as an example. Let's say I want to develop a whole film. That's my journey. Daniel's goal is to develop his own film one day. Now, jumping through the hoops right now, it's a, I have to get a lot of funding, probably government funding, pitch it to multiple investors. And it's a big job because they're you know, 24, young filmmaker, still very hard. I have to show a whole catalog of portfolio. Now, within the world of Web3, we have the opportunity to talk to our friends and our close networks, people that are already engaging young filmmakers in the community and say, hey, why don't we all own this pie? We create it together. We create the storyline together. When you do that, people are going to be far more incentivized to then market it as well because potentially they have a piece of ownership in the storytelling side or an actual IP side. It's going to be far easier to sell it. More people are going to come to the film. People are going to want to market the film because they have some level of involvement and engagement. That's my take is how do we provide ongoing engagement within a community first? Awesome. Well, when you launch your film, I'll come in. (laughs) For sure. I'll take part. (laughs) I'll invest. So what are you most excited about in the Web3 world? As someone who is in it, on it, and riding the wave, what do you know that we don't know that we should get excited about? I love collaborating. This is more personal. But I love the idea of who's going to collaborate with who. How are these Mm. structures end up forming where they're completely new and outside of our concept of mind? How does that operate and how do people get incentivized to utilize things even more? It'll be an interesting take because I've heard this theory where what's going to ignite the bull run again? What's going to make everyone hyped up again? I've heard this theory and I'm actually a believer of it, which is there will be a Web3 game that will be so intuitive for the next generation, the 12 to 15, 16 year olds. It'll be so intuitive for them. It'll be Web3. They won't even know it. However, that game will blow up like a Fortnite, like a roadblocks everyone will end up channeling into Web3 and crypto without even knowing. That's my big take. So it's seeing like which games come along and actually take over. That's a big thing. Awesome. Well, when you start to invest in those games, let me know. (laughs) P.S. This is not financial advice. (laughs) Now, you've mentioned music quite a few times. You love hip hop. Can you explain briefly what the incredible twist, turn and benefit is for artists now with NFTs? So the kind of structure for an artist, you can go two ways, do it independently, pretty much bootstrap. It's like, all right, I make money and then I reinvest it into myself, my business, my team. And you can do it independently. Don't touch a label, don't take any money. Hope for the best. And that is possible. Second option is, yep, you start off the same. Yeah, myself, pay for a recording studio. 
and then eventually hope for a record deal from a Warner Brothers Universal Music Group, a massive record deal, get paid a few million, travel the world, usually go to the US and have fun over there whilst making music. However, you've essentially taken a loan from that music label with the idea that they're going to give you a few networks and help you market. So that's the traditional way. Then we look at Web3 and ask, okay, if I am able to put out a song and I become my own record label, meaning within that song, I could distribute it to Jordana, Rowdy, a few other friends, and they can own it. Let's imagine right now the biggest Mm -hmm. artist in the world, Drake. Drake drops an album. Let's say Drake said, everyone that buys an NFT of my music, there's only going to be a 1,000. If you buy the NFT, you're going to own 10% of the album sales. Do you think that people that own that will end up sharing it more or less? More. Of course, because they have ownership. Oof, it's lucky that. I got the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to want to market it a whole lot more. So they end up becoming your marketers. They end up sharing your music to their friends, saying, I knew this person from day one. Anytime those NFTs are resold, the artist for the first time in history is able to get ongoing royalties for that music. Let's say they say, I want 5% every time it's resold, very much like a trading card. I want 5% every time it's resold. Now through the verifiable blockchain, which you don't need to understand, you just need to understand the very basic level, you can end up earning 5% every time as a music artist. And that's one example. The whole idea is when you think of NFT, think of access as well. That's how I like to think of it is NFT access, that's your utility. And if you ask yourself, how can I provide access to myself or access to an artist? Unlimited possibilities. Artists are very creative. So they'll end up coming up with their own structures. And that's what I meant by what's so exciting is we don't know what type of creative possibilities are able to happen Mm. through this access. And you can gamify it. You can say, if you own this drink bottle and you own my NFT, you get unlimited passes to my water gun show with Drake. And you can make things up. You can partner up with this brand. Say, if you own these three NFTs, you get X perk. Unlimited. Amazing. So you've seen a lot of people come in and you've probably seen a lot of people turn around and go back. What is the deterrent? What is the most common deterrent you see from people who are excited and then they're like, I'm never touching this space again? Because that is an issue. Mm, There's a lot of hopium. A lot of hopium. Hopium. What is is that a mixture of hope and valium? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit where it's like there's hope but a little bit of delusion. Oh, delusion. Uh, no, no, okay, no, I, 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 I don't know. My, I don't know what it is. Or delirium. <laughs> it's living in an illusion, hope and illusion where, yes, we're all going to make it if we're willing to. That's very key. If we are willing to, we're not going to all make it. I've had people in the team that have blatantly pointed out, by the way, and close friends, Daniel, not everyone's going to make it. And when, when I say going to make it, it's like becoming a whale, maybe that's a measure of success. And we have to question what that measure of success is. But what deters people from the space is coming in with the wrong intention from the jump, which is actually not knowing what they want. If they're coming in to make money, you have to really question that if that's going to be sustainable. Because when the market's down like it is now, you're going to leave. Mm. You're going to leave. But if you're truly in building a project and then going with the community first and being about it, not just saying it, it'll show. That's what keeps people in the space. So now I want to go to two regular segments. Myth busting. What is one of the biggest myths surrounding NFTs and how can you totally bust it right now as not being true? 
the biggest myth around NFTs is that if I screenshot it, I can own it. Let's imagine I take a screenshot. Do I own that painting? If I take a screenshot of me or a photo in front of anyone's Lamborghini or house, do I own that? No. Why no. don't I own it? Because there's a record of paper somewhere that exists on a government forum or private forum that says this person owns it. Jordana owns that Lamborghini. Now, it's the same thing with blockchain. On blockchain, it says some person owns that JPEG of a board ape your club. And that's how we're able to verify it. That's the difference. Myth busted. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Myth busted. I normally have an intro, but now I'm going to create a special outro segment just to wrap that up and solidify it. Stay safe from scams. What is the best piece of advice you can share to help people stay safe in the world of NFTs? It would be to slow down when you're buying your first NFTs. Get a friend on board if you need to. Get me on board if you need to. Get Jordana on board and utilize a hard wallet. Jordana is very uh, driven by emotions. She's probably not the best person to <laughs> get on board, but she's there for support nonetheless. Sorry, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> utilize a hard wallet and a hot wallet and just Google the difference if you need a hand. Happy to help as well. That's definitely a big one. Amazing. And now, is there anything you would like to share about NFT Melb or Sid or Gold Coast or APAC to inspire people to just come for the experience, even if they're not in the NFT world or if they are, but they haven't yet come? What's a beautiful call out? Even before that, if you're just interested in NFTs, because that's probably going to be the idea that's coming to your mind. And it would be literally just search up hashtag NFT and then topic. If it's hashtag sustainability NFT, sustainability web three, look at that. If it resonates with you and you want to learn more, find people around you. And if you're in Australia, that's available. And if you're outside of that, that's also available. And we're happy to point you to that. Because at the end of the day, as much as I would want to say, come to our event, you're going to learn everything. It's not true. It's delusional. There's going to be people that are able to far help you along your journey than just coming to our event. If someone wants to learn magic, why would I tell them to come to NFT Mail? I would say, no, go to Jordana and that's a matter. This I can help you with. That magic I can help you going to blow your mind. <laughs> that I can assist with. <laughs> that's what I would say. Coming to the event, know what you want. And if you don't, that's okay. I've had plenty of people yeah. that don't know either. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your insight. And I love that you've basically just invited everyone to ask you any question that they wish, because I think it's one of the most beautiful qualities that you're creating and you're sharing through NFT Melb. And thank you so much for Hopium. You're most welcome. I don't even know. Has it been placed in the Oxford Dictionary? Is it a word of the year? Does it exist anywhere? Somewhere in the world. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen otherwise. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel. Thanks, Jordan. It's been amazing. You're a legend. Appreciate you. Absolute legend. I totally should have asked Daniel for two analogies, one for Spider-Man and one for Superman. To connect with Daniel and to learn more about NFT Mel, you can find all of the social links below. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a rating and a review. As a brand new podcast, it would mean the absolute metaverse to me. That would be wonderful. To see video content and other fun snippets from our interview, please come and say hi to me across my social media accounts, all of which are listed below in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your time. I'll see you next episode.